Faith at the Fringe, a Sanctuary First podcast series. Uncovering God in the creative arts. At the biggest international arts festival in the world, Sanctuary First stops to ask, where does faith and art meet? to Faith at the Fringe, a new Sanctuary First podcast series. I'm Albert Bogle, and I'm joined today with my co-presenter, Rob Rawson. Hiya. And Rob also is a worker with the Church of Scotland as a developing mission worker, and also in a former life was a former actor. Indeed. Indeed I was, yes. A former life, definitely. It was a long time ago, Albert. Yeah. And this particular podcast, we're going to be looking at one of the shows in the Fringe entitled I Am Mark. And we're delighted that the actor who performs this particular show is with us, and his name is Stefan Smart. So thank you, Stefan, for joining us. And we're looking forward to this con- this conversation together and to see where it's going to lead us. Yeah, brilliant. I'm looking forward to it too. It's lovely to meet you guys. Yeah. So it's over to you. What's oh, your first right. question? Well, my first question has got to be, why did you choose Mark's Gospel? I mean, it could have been any of the four. It could have been. Um, it may not surprise you to learn, Rob, that I chose it, first of all, because it is the shortest one. And as a fellow actor, you'll know that yeah, it's the lines learning. Learn. Yeah. Uh, I think there are about 4,670 words in Mark's Gospel, which is 14,000, I should say, which is quite enough, thank you very much, yeah, to get on with. So, so no, that was one reason. But as, he, as, as you know... Mark's Gospel is so full of action and so dynamic and it, it's so exciting and there are there have been other actors who've done it as well and there was a man called Alec McGowan back in the 1970s I don't know if you remember oh, him yeah. I don't know if he came to Edinburgh but he certainly came to the West End and Broadway and it was a sellout for him using the King James version I was a I was a teacher in those days an English teacher and a drama teacher and I love telling stories and I thought how could I how could I relate my faith to what I loved doing? And Mark's gospel seemed the, the obvious choice, really. Right. And why I am Mark as well, your title? Well, to be fair, it used to be called, when I used to do it in the open air, and I still do that occasionally, it used to be called Mark in the Park, which was a brilliant name. I, I loved like that, that name. Yeah. But you couldn't use it inside, sadly. Um, mm. Mark in the Park doesn't work in a theatre because you're not in oh, a park, yeah. as it were. Yeah. So I thought, you know, I, I struggled for a long time. And then I thought to myself, hold on a second, what I'm trying to do is embody the person of Mark. Mark telling the story, which is exactly how it would have been done in the, day, the days it was first written. Yeah. Um, that's actually my ambition. I'm, I'm, I'm sure I'm never, I'm never going to come close to what it was really like, but there was definitely a theatrical element. It was one person telling the story all the way through, and that's very important. It wasn't just chunks of it, it was the whole thing. And that was what I wanted to recreate in some way or form. Really? Stephen, I remember reading you said that you had an epiphany almost that brought you to the place where you felt constrained to go out and, and perform March yes. Gospel. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Well, yeah. perhaps I can tell you first about the very first performance, which I won't tell you in detail because maybe we can leave that for another time. But it, the very first performance was in Speaker's Corner in Hyde Park. Now, if you haven't been to Speaker's Corner, or even if you have, you know that it's the most outrageous place. It's, it's even busier than the Edinburgh Fringe. And it's full of people who are shouting at each other, basically. Yeah. Everyone speaks at the same time, there's loads of heckles. And I had this madcap idea 
that I was supposed to go to Hyde Park and do my very first performance there. But at that stage, this is back in 2016, I wasn't really sure whether this was God or whether it was me, the whole thing that I was doing. I love doing it. I'm a mm. bit of a show-off, actually, even though I'm an introvert. And I love doing what I'm doing. And I was thinking, is this just ego or is this God? And I was on a retreat. And for some reason, this whole thing came up. And it was a bit of a complaint, if I'm honest. And I said to God, I was walking along towards a beach. I was saying to God, Oh God, is this you or is this me? I'm, I'm really fed up. I'm getting really frustrated. Can you just give me a sign? Give me a sign, please. And I walked down to the beach. And now at this stage, I didn't even have a name for the production at all. It, it was that sort of uncertainty about the whole thing. And I walked down to the beach and I went into a car park just by the beach. And the first thing I saw was a sign. And it said, Mark Park. And that, for me, was my answer. Not only that I had a name, Mark in the Park, but also Hyde Park was exactly where I was supposed to go. And that was just unbelievable, out of the blue, and it really rocked, rocked my world, as you say. <laughs> I love that. A sign that is a sign. Yes. Absolutely. So, so this I am Mark, almost then are you in some way seeking to embody Mark as he tells the story that he knows of Jesus. And as he heard it, no doubt, I was told it from the Apostle Peter. Yes. I think that's, uh -huh. the, that's the, the tradition, way. isn't it? Yes. You know, yes. and, and did Peter write down these, these little stories or did he tell them to Mark and did Mark write them down? Yeah. And so you're embodying that. Yes, that's the idea. And embodying not just Mark, but obviously all the other characters as well. Um, so it's just one person on stage. And I don't know how many characters there are. It must be about 30 or so in the story. So this is an interesting challenge, to say the least. And the only help I've got is my kitchen chair. Uh, if you're looking uh, on, uh, on this on video, you'll see that I'm sitting on a red uh, a red chair, but uh, that's what I'm doing. It's a kitchen chair, and it takes apart various characters and various props, such as a boat, um, such as some pigs, such as the lake, various individuals. Um, so it's very useful. It's the least wooden of the actors on stage, I say. I must ask you about the chair. <laughs> but before we do the chair, okay, right. we're going to cut to you doing a particular character. Ah, yes. Now, this particular character is a woman at the fringe. Yes. And she's engaging with faith at the fringe. Let's watch this and listen to it. Now, a woman was there who'd been subject to bleeding for 12 years. She'd suffered a great deal under the care of many doctors and had spent all she had, yet instead of getting better, she grew worse. When she heard about Jesus, she came up behind him in the crowd and touched his cloak because she thought, if I could just touch his Clothes, I'll be healed. Immediately. She felt in her body that she was free from her suffering. At once, Jesus looked around and said, Who touched my clothes? His disciples answered, You see the people crowding against you, and yet you could ask who touched me. <laughs> but Jesus kept looking to see who had done it, and then the woman knowing what had happened to her, came and fell at his feet. And trembling with fear, she told him the whole truth. Daughter, 
Jesus told her. <laughs> Your faith has healed you. Go in peace. Be free from your suffering. So we've just watched that amazing clip, Robert. And yeah. I think it ties in with something else you were going to ask well, about I, the chair. Yeah, the chair. I mean, it intrigues me because obviously there's a lot of improvisation of the chair. As you say, it's pigs one minute or yes. whatever. Yes. But when you came to think of using it, was yes. it just, I want this to be minimalist or <laughs> it's just less things to cart around with me? Um, more the former. I thought in many ways, and I'm sure, you know, if you think about it, I'm sure you'd agree, Mark's gospel is very spare. It's stripped down. Yes. It's very, very fast. As we were talking about earlier, it rapidly moves from one space to another. And he, he doesn't go into a huge amount of detail, although interestingly, he does at times. So I wanted to somehow capture that, that simplicity. Uh -huh. And uh, it's my sister, really. I, I was using a block originally, and she said to me, you know, you need something a bit more, you know, interesting than just a block. And she suggested, why not a kitchen chair? And from that moment, that was it. And I saw a chair which had a red seat, which is what I'm sitting on right now. And for me, it symbolized something about Mark, that actually it ends in blood. In fact, it's the crucifixion is the, the high point of the whole story. Uh -huh. So right from the beginning, as you see the chair on stage, you get an impression of where it's going, which is exactly what Mark wanted us to have an idea of. That's brilliant. I love it. Absolutely. And this simplicity thing, and going back to that particular piece that we've just seen, where his faith at the fringe, where the woman touches the hem of Jesus' garment and she's healed. Yes. Uh, is there something here that we can link faith at the fringe as you've come to the fringe here? What is it that you're wanting to happen wow. from all of the performances that's yeah. going on? I think the word touch is really important. Mm. For me, it's about people being touched by God, actually. And that could happen in, in so many ways. And it's not up to me, is it? It's up to him mm. and up to them as well in terms of how receptive they are. But I think in, in many ways, I'm, I'm trying to offer a space. Um, a friend of mine had a kind of picture of this. It's like I'm, I'm a kind of a frame. And, but the picture itself, the, the, the drawing or the painting, that's up to God. So I'm just, I'm just giving God, if I, I'm hoping, a space for him to work in. And all sorts of amazing things have been happening, I can tell you, which I would never have expected. Uh, it's been phenomenal. And I think the most Im impressive and the most interesting thing has been, well, two things really, and they're, they're, they're very linked. Conversations with people, not just after the show, of which there've been many, mm. many, many really powerful, meaningful conversations. A, a friend who I'd not seen for 40 years, who lives in Edinburgh, said, you know, I want to take you out for lunch. So we went out to lunch and she said, I tell you, I hear you, you've had an epiphany in your life. She hadn't seen me in 40 years. You know, about that time I became a Christian. And she said, tell me about it. You know, that was a conversation that I wasn't expecting to have. And there it was in front of me, a wonderful opportunity to witness to this woman who was clearly quite, quite moved by what was going on. She had her friends all around her as well. An unexpected adventure, many such conversations, but also, linked to that, 
a sensitivity. What I'm finding, I'm I'm, I can't really believe it, but as I'm walking around the street, God's seeming to give me a, a greater sensitivity than usual in hearing his still, small voice. And walking past, I notice, I've been noticing things. I could tell you many stories, but there's one in particular about a man, a down and out called Daniel, who may even be listening to this podcast, who was in on the Royal Mile a couple of days ago. And I don't normally talk to down and outs and don't normally give them anything either, frankly. But for some reason, I found myself thinking, I think God's telling me to speak to this guy. So we talked about it. We talked about Mark's gospel. We talked about his situation, which was really rough. And I said, why are you here on the street? And he said, I want to actually get down to Harrogate where my family live. I need, I need the train fare um, because in Edinburgh, I know that I'm going to just descend into chaos and despair if I stay here. I've just got to get out and my family will take care of me. But I need the train fare and that's why I'm here begging. And I said, oh, that's really sad. Although I said, come to my show, come to my show. I'll pay for your ticket. And I thought I'd never see him again. And then yesterday, I was just saying to God, God, I don't like talking to people on the street, but if you really want me to meet someone, please let me know. I was just about to go home to catch the train to New Craig Hall at Waverley Station. And guess who was there by the station, sitting on the floor? No, none other than Daniel. So I went over to him and said, Daniel, how are you? He said, I'm oh, not so good, actually. Someone just pinched my tub. They just walked off with the money I had. And I said, how much do you need to get to, to Harrogate, where he lives, where his family live? He said, 18 pounds. I said, I'll give that to you. I had 20 pounds, someone had given me 20 pounds, absolutely just said, here, have 20 pounds, just after a performance. And I had the money to spare, so I just gave it to him. And he was absolutely overwhelmed. It was really like the man who was paralyzed in the, in the Gospel of Mark. He's lying on a mat, he's looking disconsolate, and then Jesus heals him. And this man, Daniel, got up with a huge spring to his step and said, thank you, thank you, shook me by hand twice, and then rushed off. It was amazing. I, I don't know what was going on in Daniel's life, apart from what I've told you, but I do know that God was in it, yeah. unbelievably. Yeah, yeah that's this, lovely. Love a story about <clears throat> almost what you're helping us to understand is that when we read Mark's gospel, when we read it, we also to have uh, to embody Mark yes. in telling the story. Yes. Mm. So it's not just you coming among us in, in, in the fringe telling the story. But what you're really saying is when you read this, you must then embody that story and tell that story. Yes. And therefore what you were doing in telling us this story was this was Stefan embodying Mark yes. in his everyday <laughs> life, being confronted with a real story yes. and having to be Jesus yes. in that situation. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Yeah. And it's interesting, Mark's gospel is full of invitations just like that to proclaim, to speak out. And the last words in the performance I have in verse 8 of chapter 16 is the women were told to go to Galilee and tell the disciples that Jesus was alive, but they were afraid. So they didn't tell anyone. So it's like that last moment of the gospel mm. is often offering us a challenge. What are we going to do yeah. when we see this story? What are we going to do about all the other stories that God's done in our lives? I, you, can I just jot in? This is my ex-actor coming out here. But we, were, we were trained to internalize and all this kind of thing. If you believe it, the audience will believe it yes. and so on. And you're embodying Mark. Yeah. But also behind that, you're wanting to tell God's story yeah. and you're doing Jesus's voice, Peter's voice, whatever. So yeah. how do you kind of wrestle with 
this is Mark telling the story, but I'm also now acting as Jesus. How, how do you cope with that one behind the other sort of thing? I can do it. It is, it is a challenge. Um, luckily, I would say there aren't any many, many characters who've got major parts. I think you've got Jesus, obviously. Yeah, obviously. You've yeah. got Peter, definitely, yeah. and maybe a couple of the other disciples. But the, you know, and, and of course the Pharisees and the chief priests. Yeah. Um, but once you've got those done, as it were, and you've got enough practice to getting into their, their kind of their psyche, if you yeah, like. But yeah. often, and, and this is something my director really helped me with, it's about posture as much as it is anything uh -huh. else. And how Jesus holds himself, how the Pharisees hold themselves, their body shape, that actually makes a difference. For me, and I'm hoping for the audience too, and mm -hmm. I'm hearing that is probably true. Change of voice? Do you, I mean, oh, sometimes yes. Andrew Reed has to do a haughty, nice, yes. posh voice for the Pharisees. Yes. You know, and Jesus kind of fairly neutral. Yeah. The disciples maybe with a northern accent. I mean, how yeah. do you do so that? Yeah, so it was a whole series of adventures here and experiments. Yeah. Uh, initially, I must say that the disciples had Brummy accents. Um, my director put a stop to oh, that. Lord, Especially after it. there was audience <laughs> members who were from Birmingham, and they didn't like that the, they were being compared to the disciples who were really actually quite a thick lot, frankly. And um, um, so I, I changed all that. No. Um, I think with Jesus, I mean, I think that's the key, that's the key character. And, yeah, it, and, yeah. and it's obviously a complete privilege and complete, I don't know how to describe it. You have to approach this with some awe. You know, you're, yeah, <laughs> you're trying exactly. to portray the Son of God. Um, and, uh, you know, how does one do that? But I think, as my director says, um, no matter how annoyed and irritated he gets, and he does get irritated in this, in this gospel, his posture and his mood and his um, relationships with others is always one of unconditional love. Yeah. And if you can manage that, then you've got a reasonable chance of approximating the voice of Jesus. Right. What do you mm. think about, you now must know Mark's gospel off by heart. So when we come to Mark's gospel chapter 14, Mark, does Mark write himself into his story, <laughs> right? Because it's an interesting bit, yes. you know? See, the Garden of Gethsemane, yeah. and all the disciples are running away, and there's this young man that runs away naked. Yes. What's all this about? Okay. How do you interpret that? Wish that I knew. I wish I knew, um, and I don't honestly know, but i tell you something. It's something I am studying. I'm, I'm going on a course at the moment called the Gospel of Mark Workshop, and I'm hoping to, when we get to chapter 14 that my teacher is going to give me the answers of that. He's a theologian in the Orthodox tradition. He's been studying Mark for the last 20 years, so he, know, he knows something about Mark's Gospel. But I tell you what, I had a performance two days ago at the end of the performance in Edinburgh. Uh, I met another professor um, from, from America, from Alabama, and he talked exactly about that. And he said, did you know that the, the man, the young man who leaves his linen garment, actually, he thought, is the same young man who ends up at the end at the resurrection. The women go into the tomb and they see a young man dressed in a white robe, sitting at the right side, and they were alarmed. Don't be alarmed, he says, and so on and so on. So it's like this, that's the last, the same words are used, a young man and the linen robe is used there as in chapter 16. How interesting, I thought. And he said, the young man doesn't desert Jesus. He's the only one who doesn't. How interesting, I thought. I'm just going to leave it there. there leave it up to you yeah, to yeah, think yeah. about. Great, but there's, these are the kind of things that are so interesting to explore yes. and mm. to open up yes. in Mark's Gospel. Before we finish, 
could I ask you, is there one particular scene in Mark's Gospel when you enact it that always gets you? Or is it a different scene every so often that touches your emotion? Yeah. Because it must touch you too as you begin yeah, to perform it. Yeah. It's so hard to answer. I would say I would immediately go to the crucifixion because it's the one that kind of grabs the audience most. But I clearly... I invest a lot into that, and, and also chapter 14 with, in Gethsemane, which I really don't know how to act, frankly. It's, I mean, how can one act possibly um, the Son of God taking on himself the sin of the whole world, of, of all the generations of man that ever been and, and ever will be? Mm. But nevertheless, the pain of that and the, the, the sense of isolation and the pain and isolation and the violence of the crucifixion, they just grab me every time. But I have to say, Going through the gospel, it's always a case of God will speak to me about something new pretty much every performance. There'll be another part mm. which grabs me for the first time in a new way. And that's yeah. how wonderful the word of God is, isn't it? It's fresh and it's alive mm. yeah. and it's active and it makes a huge difference to our lives. And I saw that in, in the little bit you did for us. Really? I, 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 and I suppose I have this thing about people who, bless them, they read the Bible, you know, they volunteer to read the lessons or whatever, but sometimes it can be in a very monotone way because it's very reverent, it's the Word of God. But by being moved, the audience get moved. You know, when you feel it, they feel it. And, and I just love to see that happen in Bible readings, wouldn't you? But, but obviously, you, you say there's so many uh, comments made after yes. your performances. Does anyone, anyone, I'm sure the answer to this is yes, but does anyone ever say, you know, I've never heard it like that or I've never thought about that before? Yeah, very much so, yeah. very much so. It's, and, but it's interesting, it's not just thinking that's involved. I find that people are saying things from their hearts and mm. often I have a Q&A after a performance and rather than a very dry, you know, what about this bit or that bit, which is interesting and it's brilliant, I love talking about it, people will give their hearts and say, I was so moved by this, I uh -huh. felt I was uh -huh. there. I was doing it in America recently in, in, in California. One guy looking at the crucifixion said, it broke my heart, mm. I was there and I thought, how awesome is that? I'm kind of giving help, helping people get into the story itself in a way that they never would have expected. They were seeing the characters performing, as it were, or acting, as it were, in front of their very eyes. It was one person on stage with a chair, but they were actually seeing it in front of them. Yeah. I don't know how that happens, but it happens. Wow. Invariably. What a wonderful way to finish it, to say, I don't know how that happens, but it happens. You've taken us today on a journey in Mark's Gospel. And in doing so, you have brought us to the place where faith encounters the fringe. Yes. And to encourage us to think, perhaps you're listening to this podcast as a listener, and you're saying, something touched me in that podcast. And I would like to suggest perhaps it is the presence of Mark's gospel speaking and telling the story of Jesus and touching you wherever you are. And here at the very fringe of a podcast, at the end of a podcast, there is an opportunity to respond to faith at the fringe. And so what we do at the end of every podcast that we're going to do at Faith at the Fringe is we're just going to ask God's blessing to be with you, wherever you are, wherever you're listening, 
to know that you are loved by God and cherished by God and that he made you and redeemed you and went to the cross for you. I want to encourage you perhaps to go back and read Mark's gospel for yourself and let those words speak into your life. So may the Lord bless you wherever you are and keep you. May the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious unto you. And may the Lord lift up the light of his countenance upon you and give you his peace today and always. So until the next podcast, a huge thank you to Stephen Smart for joining us and being with us today. And to you, Rob Rosson, for being with us and enlightening us and these two actors just opening up a new way to understand the scripture. Thank you so much until next time. But can we just, before we go any more, remind people where they can hear and encounter Stephen Smart. Yes. yes, please tell I'll us. Do that. Yeah. So right. uh, I'm at Riddles Court um, on the Royal Mile, right at the top of the Royal Mile. And I'm there from uh, today right through to Saturday at 12.50. It's 50 minutes. So you don't get the whole story, but you do get a broad sweep of it. And uh, yeah, please come along. Thank you, Stefan. Thanks so much. And thank you. Bless you. Thank you. Yeah.